Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Welcome back to the Dominion Podcast, episode 54. Good to be back in the Upper 40 Studio. Good to be back. Yeah. Yeah. How you doing? I'm how's, doing well. How's dinner? Yeah, dinner was good. You've learned not to ask me about like the day before or definitely not the week. It's like, how was the last half hour of your life? Yeah, I'll I know you that. should be able to remember that, at least what you had for dinner. But, uh, dinner was good. Hey, we're glad to be here tonight. We've got a very special guest this week. I'm going to let, uh, you've got you've got her bio. Uh, you going to read the bio? Yeah, I'm going to introduce her. Yeah, okay. You go ahead and do that. Yeah, so we, this week, we've been talking about this guest for a long time. We've done probably more hype for this guest yeah. than anyone we've ever had on, which is two other people. And uh, we're happy to have Laura Clausen <laughs> with us tonight. And um, she leads a ministry, Choice 42, which we have- 42. 4-2, sorry. 4-2. And we have familiarized ourselves a little bit with it and got to know her from a distance over the last little while. And um, if you're in Canada listening to this, most of our viewers, listeners are, um, there's not a lot in the quote unquote pro-life or abolitionists, depending on how you want to identify yourself, movements, people who are against the killing of innocent children. Um, there's, you know, this is a very different situation than America. And I think for Canadians, we often listen to and learn from, appreciate a lot of our American uh, brothers and sisters um, and the work that they're doing, but it's hard to find um, faithful and effective groups in Canada. Yeah. And uh, it sounds like, Laura, you can explain a bit more of, of what you do, and, and that is certainly not limited at all to Canada, but um, you are more familiar with the situation on the ground than, you know, someone like Durbin might be, um, et cetera, et cetera. So we thought it'd be good to have Laura on and just keep, keep driving this home. I mean, I think conservatives and Christians, we, as Christians, we of course value life and every Christian I've ever talked to has in theory been against abortion. Um, I've, I've never, I've never personally talked to someone who professed faith who was, you know, for killing children. Um, but at the same time, it feels as though there's an impotence and there's a, an uncertainty regarding what can be done on the ground right. here. I feel that myself, you know, just, you see the, the vastness of this complex of yeah. baby murder and you're like, what am I supposed to do about this? Yeah. And that's just, but that's just the wrong attitude. So we want to talk about um, what it is you're doing, uh, yeah. some of the great work you're doing, and then maybe some practical uh, stuff that we can actually yeah. get into. So make. maybe we could start, Laura, by just letting our um, listeners know your background a little bit, specifically how, why and how did you personally, you know, get skin in the game in this fight? You know, what led to that? Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. This is really cool. Um, to be talking to two Canadian guys about this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I first became aware of what abortion was when I was a little kid, very mm-hmm. little. And I saw someone holding a graphic abortion image on the side of the road. And that image stuck with me my whole life. Wow. And I always felt really bothered um, by abortion. And I did all of my projects in school year after year on abortion and like my debates in high school. And then I went to university and continued on with that. Um, And I was I was looking around thinking, okay, um, 
yeah, like how can I get involved here in Canada? Where are the organizations that I can join in with? And I started looking and there was nothing there um, like what I was looking for. So that's kind of why I started Choice for Two. At the same time, I was um, volunteering at a local crisis pregnancy center Mm -hmm. um, because I figured, you know, these people are doing something about it. And uh, so that's why I started. And while I was there... Um, I figured out a lot. I realized a lot. I um, figured out how to not talk to women who are considering Mm -hmm. abortion and Mm -hmm. how to actually do it effectively. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really wanted to help uh, Canadians. Mm -hmm. Um, It did start out as a Canadian organization and, you know, now we're worldwide, but Canadians really didn't know that we don't have an abortion law to start with. Yeah. Everyone in their, yeah, everyone in their mind is like, no, no, the cutoff is, you know, 12 weeks or 24 weeks or they all think there's something, but there's not. So, um, I just wanted to create awareness for that within Canada and that all of that together is kind of what choice for two came out of. So, okay. There's a lot that I want to talk about from that. Um, Let's go back yeah. to the beginning because I still remember in high school when there was a, I'm 36, so this was like 20 years ago. And I remember there was a, an announcement made that there were protesters out front and that we ought to, I don't know if they like canceled lunch or told us not to look out the windows. There was some, uh, like the teachers were made aware and they told the students like, don't go outside. And it was, you know, like mm-hmm. 10 old ladies holding graphic images and sounds threatening. Yes, yeah, sounds threatening. But what's fascinating to me is that um, that was such a, a potent thing for you in your life. Just exposure to the truth, exposure to the reality, not the euphemisms, not the the language games of pro choice. It's like, no, what is the reality in in stark images? Mm-hmm. And as a young person, that was potent, and it makes me think one. This is an effective strategy because we're told that that's not, you know, and really that feels yeah. like we're just being shamed. Like, oh, don't do yeah. that because it's it'll offend people. It's like, well, it will offend them. Yeah. But- ripping kids <laughs> apart is an offensive thing. But that's that's yeah. why it's effective. I mean, yeah, generally the opposition doesn't tell you to stop doing something that's ineffective. <laughs> they only tell you to stop doing yeah, things that's that are true. effective. Right. But it's not just the opposition telling you to stop. It's yeah. other Christians yes. right. saying that, that this isn't effective. It's, yes. it's funny because like at this point, at this point, I'm doing every single thing that Christians told me not to do. Yes. <laughs> so, yes, because it's effective. Well, I feel like this is a similar theme to the things that Jared and I have talked about, um, even just with the church. Over the last, I mean, we've, we've talked about the idea of winsomeness being a, like this highest virtue that we ought to strive for. And, you know, an effective witness is some synonymous with people liking us. Um, and those are Canadian values. Those aren't Christian values. And um, the same thing happens in the pro-life movement that we're told by the world that we can't make people uncomfortable, that we have to be winsome, that we have to not make anyone upset. And then, so the world kind of determines for us the field of battle and and the rules by which we must play. And we decide that we're going to play by their rules. Yeah. And we surrender, we surrender that ground. (laughs) And what you get is just, you get a silenced movement. You have an impotent movement. I think a lot of that comes from the way we view the women though. 
right. because we view them as victims, we think we have to speak a certain way. Right. I don't know if you can speak to that a little bit and maybe how, what your approach is. You said you learned the wrong way to do it and the right way. So what yeah. is the right way? Well, I think now, like I was told, um, you cannot, <clears throat> well, this was a cre- pregnancy crisis center, right? And, um, they have charitable status. And so I was straight up told, like, you actually aren't supposed to say that abortion's wrong. Yeah. You're definitely not supposed to say it's murder. Yeah. Um, you're just kind of supposed to present three options of parenting, adoption, or abortion. Yeah. And then you're like somehow supposed to like hype up, um, <laughs> parenting yes. and adoption. Yes. And then like, yeah, without actually saying anything bad about abortion, have um, them not choose abortion. And I remember the first woman that I talked to when I first started volunteering, um, number one, she came in, I talked with her um, in the ways that I'd been taught, and she called the next day and said that she was having the abortion. And I was just like, but I did, I did what I was supposed to do. Mm. And then I was thinking about it, and I was like, no, I didn't, mm. because that child's life was on the line. Mm-hmm. And it's the counseling is also, they tell you, like, keep it woman-focused. It's about her. It's about her problems. Don't really talk about the baby. Like, mm. she's going to see the baby as an enemy at this point, if she even thinks of it as a baby. And so I think that's wow. completely isn't, wrong. So, isn't that like, the problem, though? Yeah. 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 So, like, we humanize the baby, first yeah. off, yeah. Um, with all the language that we use. And, yes, we say it's murder. And mm-hmm. it the whole idea of women <clears throat> being victims is just not true. Like there's been a small amount of, I would say very young people who we've talked to, um, whose parents were like basically forcing them. These are like 13 and 14 year olds. And in that sense, um, they are somewhat more of victims, right? As opposed to like this 20 year old who's like, well, um, I don't want to give up, this in my life or yeah. you know and then yeah. they 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 make it seem harder like i can't pay rent yeah. so i have to murder my child when yeah. it's like well if you had a one-year-old and you couldn't pay rent the answer would not be murdering your one-year-old of course. like the of answer course. is beyond murdering people um so a lot of the time they're really not victims and like sad to say like they're they're quite angry mm, and yes. um like also very nasty about it sometimes too because like we've had a number of women now who wanted to abort and did abort because of vacation plans and they didn't want the pregnancy oh, messing wow. with the vacation plans. Like wow. that is how, that's how low this goes. Yeah. So these aren't victims. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. The whole, the illusion of what's safe, legal and rare kind of thing is, is just a total, it's a total illusion. And, and I've always yeah. thought, um, this whole dynamic between men and women, the, the cultural rule is that women are victims, and they're especially the victims of men, and pregnancy is just an example of that, but it, it precludes men from having a voice in this, um, almost off the bat. Like, you're not, you're, I mean, I've had people even the last month tell me, no uterus, no voice, or whatever they say, no uterus, no opinion, and um what I find as a father of two daughters is this this constant victimization of women is actually profoundly patronizing. Like it, it doesn't, it, you don't present yourself as a strong woman while simultaneously uh, um, uh, adopting a victim 
mentality as you oppress victims. Like that's not a strong woman. A strong woman is someone who stands in the gap of and advocates for the weak and the vulnerable Mm. at expense to herself. And women today are raised to feel as though a strong woman is someone who defends her own rights, even at the expense of others. And and Christians need to, we need to reframe this whole narrative. And you're right, if, if Christian pregnancy centers and counselors are affirming those flawed and and harmful and wicked assumptions about women, I mean, they're perpetuating the problem. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, I, I was on the board of the pregnancy center for a couple of years here in town too. And I can resonate with, um, I think when you take the king's money, you become the king's man. And I think pregnancy centers have been totally castrated because of their charitable status. Right, right. And what we need, I think what needs to happen in Canada, and I'll just say it is pregnancy centers have to drop the charitable status tomorrow. Because if, if you have... If the only reason you have it is to receive donations, and I can't see another reason for it, um, what two things? One, if you're actually self-censoring yourself for the sake of money, that's not a good look. It's not good for a church to do that. It's not good for especially a pregnancy center. The the second thing is, um, this is a cause that is worthy of our support. Yeah, whether regardless we get a, of a our status, <laughs> and um, if Christians are not going to support this as an important ministry, you know, regardless of your your status, then they're not really behind it, and there's still a lot of work to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's kind of the elephant in the room because I remember there's laws about. I remember that too, Laura, like what you can say, what you can't say, how you can frame it. We always have to present the option. And I remember thinking. How are we a Christian organization We're promoting abortion? Option. Yeah. Like, you know? Yes. That's, yeah. And that's why, like, with Choice for Two, we, um, at first, we're like, of, co- of course, like, that's what you do. You go and you get charitable status. And yeah. so, but then when we looked into it, and then when I realized that our hands would be tied and we wouldn't be able to say the things, we were like, no way. And then hmm. we, yeah, our, our, our funding is just fine. Like if you, yeah. re- you know, if you trust God to take care of it and he does, but yeah. it's interesting because yeah. so many Canadians will email us being like, I'd love to support you. Um, but you don't have charitable status. So like, eh. <laughs> I um, can't get a tax break. You, yeah. Guess you if, don't yeah, care about if you it. Ever, <laughs> no, they're like, if you ever, if you ever get it, then, you know, we'll be happy to donate. And I'm like, wow. Meanwhile, it's the Americans who are like, they don't care about a tax receipt. And so it's just like Canada is just so pathetic in so many ways. Like, Mm. (laughs) but the charitable status is, is something that needs to end. Yeah. So how do you, how do you actually uh, reach out to women who are considering this? Because it sounds like that's primarily what you're doing is almost like a one-to-one counseling and, and trying to convince people. So what's like, how do you do that? Um, basically they just message us and it works in a whole bunch of different ways. Um, Mm -hmm. we have been, you know, blessed to have a huge social, social media presence and our reach is very large, um, mostly due to our videos that we've made. So, um, women will watch those videos and then message us. Um, also because our name is choice for two, um, they're not quite clear as to, you know, we have women, um, hoping that we'll be able to help them get abortions. And right. so we start the conversation that way, but we're very upfront that we're anti-abortion, yeah. um, like right off the bat, but the name kind of, 
you know, Veils brings, that. yeah, yeah, brings some other other people to us, which is really cool. And That's a lot of, of it now, yeah, shrewd, shrewd, <laughs> shrewd. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And a lot of um, at this point, a lot of it is word of mouth that yeah. a person finds out they're pregnant, and people are like, "Oh, like you should message Choice for Two, which is yeah. awesome." So. Yeah. Yeah, so it's we're not actively going out and finding people. We were for a time like targeting people with ads and stuff online, but we are no longer allowed to do that through any wow. Google or any social media. We've been blocked on all of them. So um, it's really an organic thing now. <laughs> this is this is a curious thing. Sorry, I'm gonna keep asking questions here until you can get a until you can get a leg up on me. Um, <laughs> I w- I've been watching videos the last couple of days of some of the abortion mill ministry that the end abortion now guys are doing. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's insane to me that people are, I mean, I can see why they would be gung ho for letting people have abortions, but they're actively opposed to you even suggesting that somebody think about not getting one. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's crazy. Um, uh, they're just they're just crazy about that. Like even suggesting that somebody goes and finds help or gets counsel is like no, don't don't do that. They need to have the choice. It's like well, I'm not making them make a choice. I'm giving them at least the option to think about it. Right. I guess. I mean, yeah. I don't know. People just like hate babies. Yeah. <laughs> like the seriously, mm-hmm. and because a lot of the trolls that I have, they will. Uh, they call themselves trolls, so I have no problem calling them trolls. But um, they come at me all the time being like, well, you're forcing women to gestate and yeah. all this. And I'm like, I'm not hunting women down. Like, they're messaging me. Yeah. And I'm not hiding the fact that I'm anti-abortion. Yeah. So, like, what do you mean I'm forcing, you forcing didn't get someone? Them, you didn't get them pregnant either. Well, and, no. But, <laughs> but I think you hit on the crux of the issue. And we talk about this. Um, women's human rights... Now, in general, with expressive individualism, are defined by one's ability um, to express oneself or or autonomous, to, autonomous expression, live, yeah. yeah, autonomous expression. So, with women, this is especially potent. So, we the culture has um, you know put together this idea that if you are a woman and if you, in order to have any value and worth and rights, you must be free to express yourself how you wish. Yeah. And um, abortion, I think, is such a lightning rod issue. Yes, people hate children, but I would say even more than they hate children, they love themselves. And it's it's really like, who's going to be in control of my life? And who's going to tell me what to do? And 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 there's this there's a narrative that's been going around. Um, I mean, feminism, even first wave, but second wave, third wave, is promoting this idea that um, not only should women be have freedom and rights in certain areas, but freedom is the freedom to be fully free, to, to be autonomous. And we've right. talked about that before. So, yeah. So then it's like, well, I think you should, you know, give your baby up for adoption. And that that's translated into, then you are forced, you are requiring me to do something. And that means that I'm being oppressed. Right. And so, I mean, there's, there's no way to get around the fact that a pregnancy is a burden. Right. It is a it, there's a there's a responsibility there. And I think that that responsibility is what is resented. And we've been telling women for 60, 80 years that they should resent it. They should resent burdens that are placed upon them. 
um, burdens that they don't choose. Those are wrong. And, you know, we need to, we need to tell our girls, we need to yell to the culture that that's just, that's a lie. Love requires taking upon ourselves burdens of responsibility for other people. That's, that's what it is, you know, at expense to ourselves. So I think the abortion issue is really just like, and I'm not trying to be overstated, but like it is the, the fullest expression of unbelief. It's right. just it's just hatred for another. It's a resentment for um, limits and responsibilities. Well, it's and, a hatred of God and His order. Right? Yeah, like you you rightly said that it's a burden. Being yeah. pregnant is a burden. Nobody would deny that. Yeah, but it's a burden imposed by God and His creation. Yeah. So this this is encouraging though, um, Laura, because when I was at the pregnancy center, one thing we were trying to do, and this like I've met lovely people both at this pregnancy center and who work in pregnancy centers and people who really care about um, the women and really care about the children. And um, anyways, one of the, one of the struggles we had, which every pregnancy center does is realizing that we're being totally ineffective at preventing abortion. And the reason we're ineffective, like we hand out diapers and we give out food for people who choose you know, they've already, they were going to keep their child anyways, most likely. Um, right. And the reason for that, the data that I was given was upwards, I think above 80% of women who uh, kill their children choose to do so within 24 hours of confirmation of pregnancy. And so if you're, the reason we were thinking of transitioning to a medical model whereby you could, you have a clinic and you're able to offer um, medical services is so that you are, well, that you're providing meaningful services for women, but you're also in proximity to women when they are statistically going to be making that decision. Um, and so that was kind of the rationale behind a lot of pregnancy centers in Canada moving away from just the diapers and, you know, the, the baby food and the informal counseling, because if our, that's good, but if the goal is to prevent abortion, that's not, those are two different things. But what Laura is saying is that Laura is actually coming into contact with people when they are at that point, right? when that decision is being made. And that's, like I've just never even heard of that. So is that is that kind of like your mission at Choice for Two is to be in that preventative dialogue? Like that's the space that you are intentionally getting to, or you just happen to find yourself there? No, that was yeah, that was a that was a goal. Like yeah, I found being at the Pregnancy Resource Center that there weren't a lot of people coming in. Yeah. People didn't even know the center existed. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, well, this is not reaching the people who are finding out that they're pregnant. Like sometimes it did. Sometimes it did, but not anywhere near, you know, the number 300 abortions a day or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Um, So, and then I'm like, well, we have online now. Yeah. Like this is a great way, especially to reach the younger generation. Yeah. Um, So, so yeah. So one of the, I mean, this is, I feel like this is a strategy that we need to really pick up on. One of the concerns I have, or one of the, not the dangers, but um, an opposition to this is just censorship. 
I mean, I'm almost amazed yeah. to hear that you have an online ministry <laughs> that gets in touch with vulnerable <laughs> women and prevents them from abortions. It's like, that can happen these days. Um, it, we're so heavily censored. It's okay. ridiculous. Right. Um, yeah. But, but it's still working. Like we're getting around it. We can't do things like they won't take our money to yeah. let us promote our organization. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, so we just rely on people sharing our stuff. Yeah. And um, like I said, the videos have been hugely helpful with that. Yeah. So have you found, um, I don't know how it all works, like with shadow banning and stuff like that. Like, have you experienced yeah. that? I'm sure you must have. Yeah. Being so high profile. Yeah. We've, we've experienced everything. Like we're, although like our accounts are all like restricted. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Cause we still have, um, a lot of views and stuff. I think yeah. I'm like one error away from being banned from Facebook, mm-hmm. um, which would really suck because we obviously like we're reaching so many people that way. Of course. But I mean, what, what can you do? Yeah. And, and just the, the most ridiculous things, it just goes to show how, um, against us they are. Like, to the point where I've had, like, threats, full-on threats of, like, me being lit on fire or me being beheaded or me being stabbed or shot or, like, all these different ones. People write this with their picture, with their actual name on it, and I'll report that to Facebook, and Facebook's like, no, this doesn't violate our standards. (laughs) Yet, I write something like... I write something like abortion is murder. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, oh, not your ban for a week because you can't be saying this. Yeah. Uh, hey, hey don't, it, don't kill your babies. You know? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Horrible. It's, it's completely <laughs> one way, this censorship yeah. thing. Yes, of <laughs> course. Really so there's, there's, there's a motivation then for, I mean, here's a good example of why Christians should care about free speech. And it's, it's mm-hmm. not just because we're selfish people. Um, you know, it, it's because we, Free the, the ability to speak freely is one of the main ways that we can advocate for, speak for the voiceless. And um, yeah. I mean, Laura's this is an amazing example of she is literally, unless something has changed, she is interacting with women at a time in their life when where no one's been able to do that especially in canada like in the states you can stand inside the clinic you know you can you can be a physical presence but we can't i don't think we're allowed to do that here 100 feet 100 meters or what what is it they're all different okay the different zones of like what you can apply for and what you can get but they're big they're to the point where you would have no idea that the woman walking past you is going to go into the clinic way down there yeah 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 so one of my questions, just thinking out loud, is to say is you know say say, um, say you're shut down. You know, there's a this this bill, especially in Canada, this bill goes through that Trudeau wants to do, where we only get liberal propaganda. And um, what can we? I feel like the principle behind what you're doing is like we need to fight hard to be in proximity with women when they're making these decisions. And so yeah. what do you think are some ways like going back to what you said first, I mean, there actually is value in having these signs, for example. Yeah. I mean, we have people in our city who march around elderly people and they've done it for years, maybe decades. And I think even I've thought like, how effective is that? It's like, well, at least they're still putting the truth out there. 
Yeah, there's a there's a prophetic voice happening there, whether you know whether it it accomplishes the aims you think it should accomplish or not. But have you maybe my specific question, Laura, is have you thought about if that happens, like what a pivot looks like for you guys, as far as like how would we still try to connect with these people? Not really. Yeah, it's just like. I guess one step at a time and we'll see what happens. I don't think that we, I don't think people fully realize how much we lost with the bubble zone laws. Okay. Like that was just devastating. Yeah. Um, To be able to, you know, these American pastors are out every week and, you know, it seems like every day they'll be reporting that at least maybe one and up to like five or six children are saved. Yes. That's massive. Yeah. We can't, do that in the same way though i do think now that like i've been thinking about it probably do need to be just outside the bubble zone yeah yeah with all our stuff yeah like it will be way harder and way more frustrating but Mm -hmm. still Mm -hmm. worth it i think Mm -hmm. it's like you need to there's there's different strategies but in the least there needs to be that prophetic witness to the truth it's like, okay, we may not be able to be, you know, in the hospital room when the doctor is asking you, do you want to keep it? Which they literally do now to everyone. Like multiple people yeah. in my church, fully healthy. They go to their first checkup and like one of the first questions is, do you want to keep it? It's like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> it's like, do I want to, what's the alternative? What happened to first do no harm? Yeah. Like, <laughs> do but, I kill my baby or deliver yeah. my baby? But there's a, there's a value in doing anything you can to keep bringing, shedding a light on this. Because as soon as that stops, the conscience of the culture is just more seared. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And the, the whole idea that this happens largely in the hospitals from what I understand, I don't know. I know there's probably some clinics in some of the bigger cities, but do you know what the ratio would be of abortions performed at hospitals versus the clinics would be? I'm not sure the ratio exactly, but from what I know from like talking to women and stuff, I think it's way more in the clinics, like right. way, way more. And mm. the hospitals, it seems, have like a abortion day, right? which is usually Saturday. Mm. And some hospitals, it's Friday. So it's like one day a week kind of mm-hmm. doing these, but mm-hmm. the clinics are open seven days a week. And just pumping them out. And most of the women that I talk to are going to the clinics. Mm -hmm. They'll travel into the city. Mm -hmm. Because you don't need, like, if you're going to get an abortion at a hospital, you need a referral from your doctor. Okay. Right? It's like a couple steps. Whereas if you want to abort at a clinic, you just pick up the phone and make your appointment done. Wow. Right. Are these private clinics? Are they public? No, they're funded by our tax dollars. So We pay for this. Huh. It's sickening. Yeah, it is sickening. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was listening to your one of your talks recently, and you were talking about the bubble law and how, you know, maybe it's time to get back out there and, you know, maybe we just have to break the law. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe somebody's got to get arrested. Yeah. Well, we know Al, a guy. Al? <laughs> <laughs> I volunteer Al. <laughs> but yeah, we had, so we had Pastor uh, Jacob Rioma on last week. And, and I remember him saying at the beginning of the pandemic regarding the church closures, he's like, 
somebody, some pastor is going to have to go to jail Mm -hmm. for us to actually be able to make a point on this. Mm -hmm. And there might be an analogy here of, you know what, maybe we just have to push the boundary a little bit Mm -hmm. and, and try and bring this to the forefront. Yeah. Well, in in the least, we need to not let the world determine the nature of the conflict. Right. Right. And, And that's one thing we've been doing for decades is we need to start saying, you know, baby murder, and we need to never use euphemisms and we need, we don't enter into dialogue. Like imagine someone said, you know, imagine in, in our city, they were every Saturday morning at the train station, they were loading up, you know, uh, the Syrian refugees and shipping them off to some camp to, you know, exterminate them. And uh, imagine we were opposed to that and, and, and we entered into a dialogue with people about yeah. whether or not, like you would, you would say, Rightly, I mean, are you a racist? Like, how much do you even care about stopping this? Like, you, you don't enter into a dialogue. Um, you don't you don't treat people as victims who do this type of thing. And so, I think even just using the appropriate language, like Laura said, when we talk about this, like this is murder. Mm. And yeah, and and yeah, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, like to that point like we're gonna stand before god and god's gonna be like this well maybe like this many babies died mm-hmm. right where you were on your watch and you did nothing and we're gonna be like but the bubble zone yeah yeah <laughs> like, right you know like it's it's uh quite shameful yeah 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 to stand against injustice and oppression is always costly. And I think we've talked about this before that the way that we learn history in Canada is that there's some really bad people in the world and you're a good person and you need to beat them and you are the hero. And part of the way that's perpetuated is because Canada, so young, 150 years and all the major conflict, I would say a lot of them, we have been on the right side. Like, and they've been overseas. So you come back to town, you get a parade, you're on everybody's shoulders. Yeah, and, and we are. Like we were, we did have the moral high ground on a lot of these issues. Um, but but that's not that's not the way the human nature really is. And uh, we have this narrative whereby we expect that the oppressor, you know, this view of Hitler as if Hitler took over Germany, for example. It's like, okay, Hitler was one of the people involved in this, but Hitler himself did not exterminate 6 million Jews. A lot of people were on board with that. A lot of people went along with that. A lot of people actively participated, but even more people did sat around and didn't do what they needed to do in order to stop it. And so there's this narrative of oppression and how you will stop it. It's like, you'll just have this perfect moment where it'll be clear to you and you will be viewed as a hero and the villain will be obvious. But in, in the real world, Often the people who stand against the oppressors um, are viewed as oppressors, right? And the people who stand up for the um, afflicted and the vulnerable and the voiceless are viewed as moral reprobates. And it was it was true with Jesus. He's a drunken and a, he's a drunkard and a glutton, right? He's a friend of sinners and tax collectors. Like, yeah, he's he's an that, immoral person. And their view of him didn't change after he went to the cross and yeah. did the greatest thing in history. Yeah. Right, it's they didn't like, throw they, the. They didn't start going rah rah rah. No, they still hated him, and they still do. Yeah, right. So, I get I get overwhelmed like when I think about this uh, issue because it's like I said off the top, it's such a, a behemoth. Yeah, and when I see what you're doing, it's encouraging, and I know there's ways people can 
contribute to what you're doing or get get on board. I know you put out calls uh, when when a woman decides to keep the baby. There's like a registry that you guys uh, put up for them, so people can uh, find you on Twitter and donate to those things. But what do you what do you think the church should be doing? Um, I guess maybe just anything. But do, I don't, do you have any advice for practical stuff for the Canadian church? Like <laughs> anything? Where do we start? I mean. <laughs> I know it's so it's so discouraging. Like I'm friends with um, a number of American pastors. I was talking with one of them yesterday, and he's just like, like, like Canada. It's just so bad because yeah. we don't even like. There's so few pastors that um, are even willing to talk about it. And like you're one of them, Alex. And mm-hmm. I could probably count them on my hand Mm -hmm. like as to um i mean obviously i don't know everyone Mm -hmm. but um just not even talking about it within their congregation it's such a taboo topic like oh no we don't you know we don't need to be political we don't need to protest anything that's not what christians are called to like (laughs) it's just so bad i i wish that pastors would just like wake up because it's it's child sacrifice Mm -hmm. and so we should be fighting that as christians yeah and like i don't even yeah like i don't even know like what the first step is but like Mm -hmm. i'm thankful that there's at least five Mm -hmm. at least five and hopefully from from there um it it will expand and Mm -hmm. they'll start doing because did i tell you guys about like when we started choice for two no six years ago and um, our thinking was like, oh, we will send out an email to every, um, I think we sent to every like evangelical church that we could mm-hmm. um, within Canada that we could get our hands on. So we sent out a lot of emails and I can't remember the exact number, but we got something like one or two responses back being like, hey, good job, guys. This is a good thing. Mm. Um, mostly it was silence. And then more than the encouraging emails, we got emails from pastors saying, show me in the Bible where it says abortion is wrong. Um, go to hell. <laughs> uh, it's well, funny, that's what they're going to be doing. <laughs> well, Christians, like, there, Christians shouldn't be, yeah, like Christians shouldn't be oppressing women like that. Wow. And then and then I was like, OK, like this is not going to go in the way that I thought. I thought that yeah. we would have support from the church and we didn't. Um so it's it's been bad. It's still bad. Well, so I think Laura's highlighting the fact that what's really needed, it, the, the problem is not that we're not engaged. That's not the problem. The problem is that there is rank unbelief pervading the church. And if, if this is what the prophets talked about in Amos, like he, they, when they're confronted for their injustice, true social injustice, and their lack of concern for the poor and the downtrodden and their complicitness with the oppression of the needy, um, you know, the, the, the rebuke is for their unbelief and, the, and their idolatry and the response is repentance. And I think the same reason the church is not more engaged in this issue is the same reason it closed its doors for two years. It's the same reason it ignores the affliction of their own sheep and the isolation that they're going to face and the harm that that will cause to them. It's a, it's turning a blind eye to that which is costly. I mean, these arguments about not being political, like I, I, I wrote early on, it's like, it's funny how the people who don't, who say don't be political are doing everything the politicians tell them. 
right? Yeah. It's like, and then the guys who say, maybe don't do what the politicians say are the political ones. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but let's, let's think about that. But there's a, again, there's a, there's a connection between these two things. And I just think it's cowardice and it's uh, adopting Canadian values over biblical values. Um, and the, the solution is repentance. Like we're not going to have Christians involved in the, um, abolition of, of, um, of abortion until there's a revival in the church. Yeah. And there's just no way around it. Yeah. There needs to be wholesale repentance. Um, and, uh, I mean the city we live in Peterborough is about roughly 80,000 people. Yeah. And that's roughly the amount of babies that are aborted in Canada every year. Wow. So you think, like, basically, a, a city the size of Peterborough is being murdered every year. The he- most helpless people. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes we need to put this in perspective. And I know you've done a lot of this work um, showing people what abortion really is. Yeah. It's not, like you said, it's not just euphemisms. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're removing a tumor. It's, you know, here's what happens during the procedure. And you can actually visualize it, and it's horrific. Yeah. Um, I think we need to, I think we need to shock ourselves out of this complacency, mm-hmm. repent. And I don't know what to do, but we got to do something. And mm-hmm. my motto, my motto is just do something and figure it out as you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause usually you don't get the right thing the first time and mm-hmm. you'll figure out what doesn't work. And mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. That's, that's all I got. I got to repent and we got to do something. Mm-hmm. Well, we, and we need to, do you want to add to that, Laura? Oh, no, like it really does come down to that because like, yeah, you assume it's going to be Christians fighting it and then Christians aren't even touching it. Yeah. So that is the problem because like, yeah, it's what and then so what are we supposed to do? (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's 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 a costly battle, especially in Canada. I think in the States it's a little different because they have um, there's more publicity you can be seen as virtuous in certain quarters if you are fighting against abortion. Like there's people who will encourage and celebrate you, um, but you're really working against the grain in Canada. If if you are going to be not private, like people are cool. And this is, I think why they support pregnancy centers. It's so Canadian. It's like, I do think this is wrong. I think we should do something, but just not too loud. Right. So, well, it's like, Hey, no one knows we're here. It's like, there's a reason for that. Yeah. Cause you're not effective. Yeah. I gave my money to the pregnancy center. I'm doing yeah. my part. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but we just, you know, that, that part of us that, that wants the approval of men that thinks an effective witness means people like us, uh, that just needs to die. And, and ca- Canadian Christians need to get used to a costly discipleship is what it, I think what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, um, sorry, I, I was going to ask Laura if there's any projects she has oh, coming down okay. the pipeline that she wants oh, to talk about okay. or, um, you know, basically if someone wants to learn more about choice for two, what should they do? Yeah, so for sure. Um, choice for two, they could just go to our website, choice 42, like the numbers four and two, um, uh, dot com. Or, you know, we're on all the social media platforms. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, uh, yes, we have a big new project that we're working on, which is a uh, series of animated shorts. Mm -hmm. It's called Exposed. 
Mm. And right now we're working on the first episode, which features Kevin Sorbo. Mm. Um, and it's basically, it's a true story of a medical professional who witnessed a baby being ripped apart um, via ultrasound. Wow. Uh, he was the ultrasound tech. And so it's just, it's a true story. It's his story and uh, it's horrific. And mm -hmm. I also find that, you know, if you've seen any animated videos of abortion, um, the baby never moves or reacts to right. what is happening. Right. Um, which right. really bugs me because, right. you know, this is one right. of the most brutal things that you could do to a human. Yeah. And um, from everything I've heard from people who've witnessed it, the baby is very much reacting in pain and of trying course. to get away from the abortions instruments. So we just thought, like our whole series exposed, I was like, we're just going all in. We're going to actually show everything. Like it's going to be awful. Um, mm. Yeah, so that's, that's our new project. Um, and, you know, we cover different topics related to abortion, like IVF, um, the fetal cell lines that were used for vaccines, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things that the Allies did following the wars, they marched out villagers around the concentration camps to see like this happen. And you need to look at this. And if you're not going to acknowledge that this is what happened, then it's probably going to happen again. And um, I think that's what we need to do with abortion. We need to just say, this is what it is. And, and, and you're welcome to try and defend this, but you're going to defend it for what it is, mm -hmm. um, not behind not hide behind what it isn't. And uh, yeah, well, we'll pray for that, Laura. And, you know, we pray that this gets a wide, a wide viewership. I was going to say on an encouraging note, we had a pastor from Texas reach out to ask if they could use our statement on, uh, on abortion for their church and to pass it along. And, and, and I say that to encourage um, it can feel like just an uphill battle. It's like we're in Canada, we're not allowed to say anything, you know, we got problems in church, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That letter, our, my, our, our uh, associate pastor, Ben, a, a wonderful wordsmith and a godly man, penned that thing. And it's very good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. And it was so really helpful, good. helpful and effective, and it, it got some steam. And, and, and it's funny because we, we read it and we're like, but this is, isn't this what we all think? You know, I mean, Ben writes very well. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we realized, look, just speak, just speak, just speak, speak, keep acting, keep speaking. Yeah. And, and it will make an impact and it, will, and it yeah. can make a difference. And the Lord works through the minority. And that's the other lie. We're, we're made to feel as though we can't do anything because it's a huge problem and we're small. It's like, what? We're, we're Christians. Like every every problem we've ever faced is bigger than us, so to speak. But this is to make us depend on the God who raises the dead, and uh, like God, God's not asking us to gain the numbers needed to you know overthrow um, you know the, the like through a democratic process. He's 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 content to take a few faithful men and women who will tell the truth and to use them to change the world. And it's what Paul did um, in his missionary journeys, and it's what happened in, in Ephesus, and um, it's what happened to the world. This little group of people, 120 people in an upper room, 
went on to transform the world because of the message that they believed and preached. And we, we have to believe that. Like we literally have to believe that, that even if the three of us were the only people in Canada who thought this was wrong with the Lord on our side, we literally have enough to overthrow the whole thing. We do. And, and yes, it's hard to see how that would happen. And God uses means and we would try to get people involved. But like, do we believe that the word of the Lord is that potent, right? That if we will simply commit ourselves to speaking and to acting and letting the chips fall where they may, like God, God can do that. It's not like we just get to a tipping point where we, we don't need God anymore, you know, where we got this. Um, there's enough backing, there's enough support. It's like, we're always way out of our league. Right. And he's pleased to work there. And what a victory that would be. So you're saying we need to be like David and just waltz out there and go, who are these uncircumcised Philistines that are defying the armies of the living God? Yeah, who are these clowns? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's exactly what needs to happen. You know, whittling down the army. Like there's too many of us, you know, there's three of us in this room. Wow. That's way too many. Get out, Jeremy. Yeah, Jeremy, get <laughs> <Sorry>. out. <laughs> well, I would be the obvious choice for the first one to go. I'm off, I'm no. off the island. <laughs> I, do you have time for one more question? I know you, I know, yeah, uh, you may sure. have some other responsibilities to get to, but um, I, I was following the recent uh, law that almost got passed in Louisiana. That was a really great law. And I think this is something Christians need to realize is that the pro-life uh organizations are generally not on our side and it's hard for people to understand but when you see them actively fight against legislation that would legalize or end abortion that we have to wake up to that so i don't know if you have any more to to add to that but. oh boy yeah that's like yeah that's why i ditched the pro-life label i mean mm-hmm. there's a couple reasons and we just call ourselves anti-abortion um yeah, they have. They've they've fought against bills that would have abolished abortion, and yep. like the one in Texas, that was that was super shocking because you know you had like Abby Johnson, who's like a big pro life star mm. there, and speak like she was against it. Um, it. So that that was where when I first like started thinking about that and what is going on and. It's, I mean, there's so much that could be said about it because it is an industry, like the pro-life industry. Mm. I think there's a lot of um, salaries and these organizations are like, some of them are multi-million organizations. And if abortion were to end, their jobs wouldn't have jobs. Seriously, like it's really messed up when you start digging into it. But um, the fact that they have been the ones um, going after these bills of abolition in the States is really eye-opening. Also the fact that um, they're so intertwined with like, they want to, they want to be pro-life. Right. And so that doesn't mean just abortion, which people say to me all the time, they're like, well, okay, you're pro-life. So what are you doing to help the refugees and stuff? And do you believe in basic, Basic income, you know, yeah. <laughs> right? Like you, like you have to be helping every single group, and then you can also um, be validated in fighting abortion. Whereas I'm like, no, um, I'm just anti-abortion, and like, I'll, this is a, important enough to be just anti-abortion. But um, those organizations have gotten into a lot of stuff that are just anti-Christian. Mm. Um, 
you know, just like pro LGBTQ uh, stuff. Um, and so it's 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 morphed into something. Whereas they used to be actual anti-abortion organizations, they're not anymore. They're all this other stuff, and they're fighting bills of abolition. Yeah, well, it's it's when you surrender your principles, and I'm not familiar with those particular instances, but um, you you see when you surrender the print when it moves from this is wrong, I'm opposed to this, to you're not allowed to do that, so you do this. Okay, well, that's still fair enough. I am for life, you know, and everyone should be. It's just like, well, okay, but you're not allowed to be against this, and if you're for life, then you're also for education and for yeah. income, and okay, we're about this. And then, and then you just, you, you're 10 miles down the road, and you're not where you began. Yeah. And it's a, a cop-out. Yeah. That's all it is. It's, it's like, a red herring argument. Yeah. I mean, we gave the example that one. It's like if if I was living in the deep south and I said we should stop lynching slaves, and someone was like, "Look, if you were really pro freedom, then you would be providing a job and an education." And that's like, okay, one, I don't need to be <laughs> able to provide work and employment and education in order to know that lynching is wrong. Um, for one, second. Why did you feel compelled to just argue with me over this? Yeah. <laughs> like anyone who said that, you'd be like, "Oh, you're a racist, right?" It's yeah. like that's not a that's not a that's a very disingenuous argument. It's like, "Hey, I don't think we should kill babies." Oh, but are you going to actually make sure their mom has has food for them? It's like, okay, no, the right set- way to the right way to make that argument would be, "Yeah, let's stop lynching them and let's do something for afterwards so that they have jobs." Yeah, that would be the right way to do it. Yeah, but not you shouldn't believe that because. Yeah. You're not doing this other stuff. Yeah. And it's like, what, should we lynch them if we can't provide jobs for them? Like, <laughs> yeah. what are you even saying? Yeah. But that's the rhetoric. That, that, that's the world says that. And I have heard Christians say that kind of thing, too. It's like, well, we want to be, I think the Gospel Coalition hosted this conversation. I didn't listen to it. The American one about pro-life. Should we Should we be like narrowly about abortion or should we be, you know, kind of cradle to grave type of situation? Um, so you see this seeping in all over the place, yeah. right? It's like, why do I have to choose between those? I saw that, but I also saw that it was from the Gospel Coalition, so I just ignored <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, so did I. Do you, uh, do you have any last uh, last words? Maybe uh, give, a sh- give, uh, give us ways we can donate or help or be a part of what you're doing. Well, people can really help us by sharing our stuff online. Great. It's, you know, as I mentioned, we can't do anything about that um, except for just rely on people to help sharing our stuff. Yes. And um, especially our videos. Um, mm-hmm. And like, you know, if you want to take a step and start speaking about abortion online, mm-hmm. like go ahead and try posting one of our videos and then mm-hmm. see what happens, <laughs> yeah. you know, like within your own sphere. Yeah. Um, we do, yeah. We have um, ways to don't to donate through our website, um, and we do um, use that money for helping moms. You know, mm-hmm. paying rent, buying groceries, paying for babysitting, mm-hmm. paying medical mm-hmm. bills, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, actually, actually helping, helping them. Yeah. Yeah. Front exactly. Lines. So. Yeah. So we, you know, that's completely donor funded, which yeah. is amazing, and yeah, that's. I mean just start speaking about abortion and mm-hmm. i think it would be cool um 
if people would specifically ask their pastor mm-hmm. about abortion. And mm-hmm. we're actually just about to put up a page on our site that's for Christians. And there is a letter written um, from a Texas pastor, uh, John Speed, uh, to oh, nice. pastors, oh, nice. specifically here in Canada, um, about basically that they're not doing anything and like, mm-hmm. what are you guys doing? So, um, I think it would be awesome if people could direct their pastors to our site, um, to that page. We're going to have more information on there and kind of like, I just hope there's a wake up call within yeah. the church. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. I'm hoping for. And as you said, like a, a revival, that's, yeah. that's what we need to be able to have this wake up call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks so much for being with us. And thank uh, you for having me. Yeah. Well, we'll do it again sometime. But yeah. do, you, do you have any last words, Al? No, we're just super appreciative. I mean, it's yeah. so encouraging to hear not just that you're willing to be in the fight, but the you, the Lord and His providence has given you just an open door to a place that's been so hard to reach to the women who need it most. And um, we need to pray for these women right. as much as we we are certain that this is murder. The, the good news of the gospel is that God, through Jesus, forgives murderers Amen. and. Praise God and for that. I mean, I mean, apart from His grace, we would be in the exact, literally the same place, yep. which is under His wrath. And the good news that we can offer to all of these women is that they can be forgiven, even for the most heinous crimes. And that is, I mean, that's an amazing thing. And it's such a better message than do what you want and be what you want and destroy anyone who stands in your way. It's it's you being called to live not for yourself, but for God and for others. And even though you failed, God has sent his son to live the life you ought to have lived, to die the death that you deserve so that you can be forgiven and set free from that. And then now you live and stand and speak on behalf of the same people um, that you once oppressed. What do, I mean, who doesn't want that, yeah. right? It's an amazing, it's an amazing message and we need to get that word out there. So, um, hop online, support Choice for Two, and uh, pray for Laura, pray for the people who work with her and for the women they interact with, and pray for the churches and, and the laws that there be a revival, that God would raise up people, save people, cause people to be born again, that they would care about this. Amen. Well, thanks, thanks Laura, and thanks for all you for joining us. I'll leave you with this. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. We'll see you next time.